Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this narration of the web series, The Nature of Predators. If you are new to the series, there is a playlist listed in the description. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 16 Memory Transcription, Subject Captain Sovlin, Federation Fleet Command. Date, Standardized Human Time, September 3rd, 2136. It was a maintenance worker sweeping the ship for any stragglers who found the Doctor, and I caged in the beast's filthy pen. The reek of waste and blood had been overpowering in the cell, a sickening reminder that the Predator had walked those very floors. It felt beneath my dignity to lie in such squalor, with no company but the sulkings on. I could still see Marcel's hideous face when I closed my eyes. My heart seized at the thought of those sunken eyes, soulless and scorching. The sound of the human's voice grating in my ears, as he tried to offer some deceitful words was unforgivable, too. When I saw my first officer chumming it up with a savage, it was no wonder I saw Red. What a nightmarish creature it was, I thought. How could anyone care for it? Rissell's betrayal stung more than the burning of my leg ever could. I'd taken the culchion under my wing for decades and mentored him into a confident officer that commanded respect. How could he shoot me for that animal? After what the Federation had endured, wasn't I entitled to a few minutes of retribution? The human suffering paled in comparison to the children mauled at the Oxel's toys, all the worlds raised in radiation and fire. The first officer's most offensive statement was comparing me to an Oxel. Since when was protecting my crew from the existential threat a crime? Everyone would be happier with one less human prowling the universe, other than the Venlor, I suppose. They needed to be rescued before the Predators sank their claws any deeper. Sovlin, Zahn growled. The Prime Minister is on the line. Are you well enough to speak to her? It was an arduous to round up the crew from the various shuttles, but we managed to put the band back together. Placing a medical official with no combat experience as acting first officer wasn't my first choice, but I needed someone who would support me on matters of human policy. Keeping the crew on a leash was my primary objective. I raised and hobbled my leg, studying the azure-stained bandage. Of course I am. Rissell blew off a limb, nodded my head. Put her on the screen. The video call flickered to life, revealing a glaring peery. Sovlin... Tell me how you managed to lose a predator in the mere days since your last check-in. The Federation is going to freak out. Word of Tarver's folly traveled across the Federation within days. After we detained our unwelcome guest, panic was spreading through the civilian channels and public pressure was mounting for an immediate response. Galactic leaders arranged an emergency convention to discuss joint action, but it would take days for everyone to arrive at the designated meeting spot. More time would be squandered coordinating the forces of hundreds of independent powers. The good Digi Union was not content to sit on its paws while vacillating fools debated the obvious choice. Destructive measures were necessary at once, before the humans lashed out and the Venlor. We were en route to Gojit border station to rendezvous with our bombing partners. Launching for Earth felt like my destiny. I was ecstatic to join the mission and hoped that we could cripple the human breeding grounds. 
The escapees wouldn't have time to warn humanity, so our attack would come as an unexpected blow. Now that the humans were spacefaring, it was unlikely to eliminate them entirely. But with any luck, their numbers would be reduced to insignificance, and the remnants would wipe each other out with their aggression. The damned predators were a smear on the name of sentience. Must your head always be elsewhere? I demand an answer, Captain, Perry's hissed. How did the predator escape? I don't know how to say this, but First Officer Rissell shot me and released it, I answered. The Prime Minister recalled in shock. Rissell? Why? He's served under you for decades. He's practically a gojid at this point. What pushed him to such reckless action? The humans seem to have the ability to charm others that we didn't account for. They appear to be able to manipulate empathy and to pretend to be like the rest of us. My first officer said I was being unfair to the Flesh Eater. If you believe that, well then, I'll put out a warrant for Rissell's arrest. I'm sure the Kulchians will side with us. There is no excuse for a veteran who has just watched our briefing videos releasing a human. She tapped a few buttons on her console, most likely pending a transmission to the Federation. At least we've gathered some key information from this debacle. The humans are more intelligent than the Greys and more cooperative. With due respect, ma'am, what makes you say that? The Arxel would have never made it to space without our interference. But these monkeys did it without assistance. I suppose you are right. That only makes their schemes and ruses more complex. They seem quite capable of mirroring empathic responses. Indeed. Let's not forget Sovlin. The Venlil are one of the weakest and most emotional races in the galaxy. And that's by our standards. The humans will enjoy turning on them. My... Thoughts exactly. Whatever Tarva or Russell say, the only good human is a dead human, and I am going to see to it that there's a lot of those by next week. I commend your courage, O, and Captain. Be warned that we've lost contact with two military outposts that were slated to join the bombing run. Our scouts are going to look in, but I'd stay alert. I flared my nostrils in dismay. The humans would have had to know about our scheme days ago to launch any countermeasures, and that was inexplicable. Clairvoyance wasn't a predator's trait, to my knowledge. Tarva wouldn't be idiotic enough to tell humanity about the Federation's earlier plans, would she? That would be begging for retribution. Venlil's involvement in the plot was extensive, according to my files. Due to Earth's proximity to their border, they prodded the Federation to act quicker. The decades our leaders spent dawdling was time of the, the predators of bonds. Perhaps the humans had kidnapped some Vindlon quietly and were torturing them out of Tarva's eye. There were a myriad of ways that they could have obtained the information. And report if I hear anything. It could be the Arxel, though it is impeccable timing if so, I said. Piri flicked her ears. Perhaps. Is it bad that I almost hope that it is the Greys? <sighs> Take care of yourself, Sovlin. The call blinked out, and I turned my attention to the viewport. The blue dot on screen was an unarmed Gojid colony, with a population of around 20,000. Its border location lacked appeal for potential settlers. Due to the inherent peril, its only drawing point was dirt-cheap housing. The humans will push everyone closer to home soon enough. Our resources are already strained with a single enemy, I pondered. Our military launch point was lodged on a large asteroid, just beyond the colony's orbit. It functioned as a hub for bomber squadrons and defensive units. I spotted a few Goja patrol ships adrift 
in the system's outer reaches. Spacecrafts were ready to fight at all hours of the day in case of any Arxel incursions. Everything seemed to be normal, but Piri's warning lingered in my mind. Predators love stealth and ambush tactics. If our attackers were the humans, that was more proof that they were the same as the Greys. It was their nature to catch others off guard and helpless. Halt the docking range, I shouted. Scan the perimeter for ship activity. Better safe than sorry. I could do no harm to supplement our station's intel from the different vantage point. Sensors didn't reveal any subspace disruptions or gravitational disturbances at first glance. However, there were a few stray radio signals by the system's gas giants that seemed peculiar. They caught my attention, and I decided it merited further investigation. What are those coordinates you've inputted? Why are we turning the viewport? Zahn asked. I tapped my claws nervously. Nothing, I, I hope. We'll see soon enough. Zooming in onto the source of the EMF anomaly, a formation of angular ships became visible. Gasps sounded across the bridge. My spines raised in an instant, and I gaped at the startling image. How could an enemy have gotten within the system I'd seen? Lurking near the celestial bodies with high masses to evade detection was possible. In theory, there wasn't a more dangerous place to disengage warp. While a strong gravitational field masked an incoming subspace trail, it would leave the ship at risk of being drawn into orbit. It would require incredible patience as well to avoid discovery. Those vessels needed to engage in a series of tiny jumps. That was the only way to ensure that their trail didn't poke into real space at an unwanted moment. Did those ships really hop between high-gravity spots and wait for their drive to respool each time? Not utilizing continuous warp transit would increase travel time tenfold. That's not Arxar's strategy, I thought. These humans learn quickly, and it seems they gamble with their lives. Knowing the Terran position, the computer was able to tease out sensor readings. A rough estimation of their capabilities would help us concoct a plan of attack. What is their shield capacity? I barked. Zahn's eyes stretched wide with panic. I don't know. How do I read this crap? I miss Marshall immensely. Let me see. With a sigh of irritation, I pulled up the data feed on my workstation. My other permit's not a trace of an ion generator. I don't think they've figured out how to power shields. Sounds like great news, sir. What are your orders, sir? The doctor asked. My disappointment with Zod was already mounting. A lackey wasn't what I desired, deep down. I wanted a first officer with their own ideas who was willing to challenge me when their thoughts were contrary. The thought of Rassel wasting in a cell or being toasted over the fire by the humans felt like such a damned waste. A fine man who threw away his career over some misplaced idealism. Charge the railgun, but slow and stable. We don't want to alarm the humans. A sharp pain stabbed through my leg, the first sign of the painkillers waning. In the meantime, let's amplify and intercept those radio signals. I think two of the ships are talking to each other. Balzan stood around like a lost child. The comm station pounced on my order. Static fed through the PA, an incoherent buzzing. The technicians took a few moments to fine-tune the settings, and my ears perked up at anticipation. Catching the predators red-handed, gloating over the prospect of eating and torturing sentience, would squash any doubts. It should even be enough to win back the Venlil. I wonder if Tartha knows about the cheap tactics her uh, friends employ. I mused. What does she see in these skin eaters? She'll be begging us to take the Vendelil back. 
by tomorrow. May, uh, to answer them. A thunderous voice echoed over the loudspeakers, sinking into the captive audience. It was so quiet on the bridge that you could hear a pin drop. The Arcs saw traumatized as Enos, and we're just making it worse. They'll think we're just like them, Sunny. This will be their proof. They're going to attack Earth if we don't, came the tired reply. It's a military base, nothing more. It's fair game. Mayer didn't put any civilian targets on the list. But the Gojids haven't done anything yet. There's still time for them to change their minds. We should have tried to negotiate, Raj. Are you mad? They would drop bombs on London, Mumbai, and Lagos without thinking for a second. They don't want to talk to us. I know. I just signed on to fight the Arkson, and, and now... It's not like I had imagined. This is not the time for second thoughts. We'll offer medical assistance to any survivors. I am certain the UN and the Venlil will try to broker peace. But right now, this is about surviving. This is about humanity. I bring to confusion. Much of my crew looked dazed, as though they had, were having troubles processing the conversation. From the two humans' words, you would think that it was the Gojits who were the villains in the scenario, not the stealth ships creeping in on the clueless station. Why were those Predators pilots talking like they felt sorry for us? Why did both of them sound like they wanted peace, as though it were their own objective? Soft, old fool, I cursed myself. How did you almost fall for such a basic trap? It must be some sort of trickery, an empathic ploy, in case anyone was listening. If we hesitated to shoot the human craft, that lent them a strategic advantage. There was no other reason to talk and give away their position. It was that charm ability I mentioned to Piri. No wonder the Vendlil had fallen for it, after prolonged exposure to the smooth tongues. Turn that off, I hissed. Delete all records of that conversation. They're trying to manipulate us. But how could they know that we were listening, Sovereign? The comms technician asked. What if they actually meant that? And we just keep trying to harm them. Humans don't understand what peace means, you numbskull. They are parroting something the Venlil told them. The young analyst scowled. Sir, you, you have the authority to get our station to stand down. I think we should hail them and offer a truce. Then uh, we can see what they do. At least that way, we have no regrets. I have no regrets as is. If you want to talk to predators, you can get on a shuttle and fly over there yourself. The word predator seemed to snap our crew out of their trance, and I saw a few tails wave of agreement. The technician shuffled his paws before he pressed the delete button on his station. A high-pitched beep disrupted the silence, showing our weapon were charged and operational. I leaned back in my chair. Fire the railgun. The humans aren't getting the system. Fire it who? Jebek, my weapons officer, pointed at the viewport in horror. When did they go? My eyes widened, panicked. The colony! They're making a run at the colony! Damn it! I knew that it was a distraction. I fired off a transmission to the station, warning them of the ambush. My heart felt heavy. I prayed that my communicate reached them in time. My recommended course of action was to divert defenses to the colony and prepare for an orbital raid. The humans claimed that they were attacking the base, but even if that were the stated mission, predators couldn't resist landing a killing blow on hapless prey once in range. The colony was a much juicier target. A solemn silence gripped the bridge as we turned our own course towards the planet. Even with such a small population, there was no way that we could evacuate in time. 
My stomach flipped at the thought of needless death, of another atmosphere chocked with flame. Hey, this wasn't my first siege, but it never got easier. We had to stop the humans from continuing the Arxol's legacy of destruction. End of chapter. Chapter 17. Memory Transcription Subject Captain Sovlin, Federation Fleet Command. Date, Standardized Human Time, September 3rd, 21. 36. Worst case scenario cycled through my mind as the Gojid ships formed a defensive wall around the colony. I tried to imagine how the people on the ground felt, trapped and unaware of the impending assault. The sea of dots spanning the blue orb circumference was all that stood between the innocent and the hungry predators. Any angle that was overlooked was an opportunity for the humans to break through. We should stop any missile from penetrating our ranks by throwing our craft in the way, if necessary. The only way a battle with a predator ended was with all of them dead, or all of us dead. The primitive nature of the human craft was our primary hope. A single hit should be enough to dispatch their ships. Hell, the station's lasers might be able to chew through more than one at a time. Our weaponry was designed to tear through oxal armor and the Terran's defenses were negligible. Sir, um, the ships have reappeared just out of targeting range, Jamik barked, a tremor in her voice. I hoped the weapons officer could keep her wits. On a trajectory course for the base. The viewport locked onto the hostiles. I watched as they veered off onto multiple headings and altered the course to avoid any intercepting ships we launched. A laser launched out from the station at a streak of brilliancy across the void. The shot connected with the Terran bomber, and obliterated the predator's craft in a flash. Happiness fluttered in my chest, though it was tempered by nerves. It was encouraging that we had attained the first kill of the war. The humans, in response, spewed plasma at the approaching Goju ships. They seemed to hope that it would ward us off. Like brandishing a torch to keep a beast at bay. Weapons of that caliber couldn't deal more than minor damage, but I knew they had to preserve their main payload for their target. It occurred to me that we had simplified the task of bombing the station for the humans. The predators were flooring it towards their stated target, and in many ways, my suggestions cleared the path. There wasn't a single sign of deviation, which boggled my mind. The asteroid base dispatched as many ships as it could and left its own defense barren in the process. When given a choice, our commanders prioritized civilians' lives over military infrastructure. Things can be replaced, stations can be rebuilt, I shouted myself. Lives cannot. They are children down there. I couldn't help but wonder, for a split second, if this was just a lapse in judgment on my part. Where was that predatory sadism, the one Zahn said humans used on their own world? The last thing I wanted was to cost the Gojid Union valuable resources. It was worse if some soldiers didn't make it from their barracks. Their deaths would weigh on my conscience for years. But there was no way a predator could override their bloodlust, particularly while engaged in warfare. It was a matter of time before the humans rounded on upon our position. At least a few ships had to give in to temptation, even if the majority could resist. Shoot the bastards! I blast them out of the sky! I roared. Jemek sighed. I just said they're out of range, sir. We need to move closer. They are not abandoning our position. The second the planet is vulnerable, they will pounce. My mind yearned to fight the humans myself, but I had to remember the stakes at hand. We were consigned to watching, 
as though the skirmish were some spectator sport. Zahn was cheering each time a Terran vessel went up in a fireball, which earned strange glances from the nearest crew. The predators weaved erratic patterns to avoid termination, but their spirals and zigzags weren't fast enough. Every crackle of the laser purged one of the vermin. The station's defenses were slow to recharge, but their effectiveness was dazzling. In fairness, it seemed to love tap could take out a Terran ship. Their workmanship was rather flimsy. Gojit craft remained hot on the humans' heels and spit out our own concentrated plasma at them. There was no breathing space for our attackers. The Predators rocketed up to max acceleration and towed the title line towards the base. It was wonderful to see our ships chasing the humans, how the tables had turned from the natural order. The Hunter was the hunted. Captain, the Predators are showing no interest in the colony. I don't see the harm in taking a few ships to the battlefield, Jemmy pressed. There is Trish trying to lose their pursuers. If they can bait us away from the colony defense, that's what they want. Her spines bristled. I hate feeling powerless, as do I. Zahn, why don't you make yourself useful? I gestured towards the doctor, who was transfixed by the battle. Establish contact with Piri, if at all. Make her aware of the Predator's tactics, so that she can relay a warning to any nearby installations. The Tagan returned an eager tail swish and scrambled to reopen communication lines. My gaze darted back into the viewport. I looked just in time to catch a glimpse of a Terran fighter, taking a round to the Benny. The plasma compromised its hull integrity. It reduced it in a fraction of a heap of metal. There was no hesitation from the Gojid chasers to bombard the incapacitated ship with fire. Nobody would be foolish enough to leave a predator alive. They needed to be taken out with a fight with permanence. As long as such a monster was still kicking, they could have a final trick up their sleeves. The human vessels clustered back together and opted to deal with the gaining pursuers one at a time. They peppered the closest goaded ship with fire, then concentrated their strikes on the drive column. The patroller's engines went up in a colossal flare. Debris was flung in all directions. Our other allies were forced to drop back to avoid getting swept up in the blast's wake. Stars, I hate humans, I seized. Nay, don't quit or retreat. I curse my ancestors for not confirming their extinction centuries ago. This is going to be a tedious and costly war, even if we win. The predators had endured a hailstorm of fire and pressed nearer to the base all the same. No matter how many of their brethren were reduced to scrap, they persevered. Watching the humans' fearlessness, I couldn't help but envy the natural disposition. They shrugged off losses with a careless disregard for life they were so faint for. We felt our casualties. That was the Federation's downfall against the Arxor. It was an emotion that lost us the war. Predators only saw the mission. The kill. Captain, we have to do something, Jemek growled. I flicked my ears. It is too late. They're almost within orbital range. While the Goja defenses could deal with the humans handily, they couldn't win the race against time. The Predators could survive just long enough, pesky monsters. Sensing that the goal was in reach, our opponents found a final burst of speed. The lead bombers dispersed their payloads, and cylindrical missiles homed in on the asteroid surface. I braced myself for the inevitable aftermath. The Gojit patrolling lunged forward in a desperate pursuit, but they were already too late. Explosions detonated across the complex, tearing through the expansive stone buildings. 
Flame enveloped everything in the explosion's proximity. Smoke plumes rushed up within the artificial's atmosphere. Hangar roofs caved in and buried any ship we failed to get off the ground. The powerful laser was out of commission, too, since our orbital defenses were tucked in the center of the base. Bunkers and training areas were pummeled into submission. I wondered how many servicemen were trapped beneath the rubble. The humans followed up their first body with another barrage. There was no pause or emotion, though I don't know why I thought there would be. The subsequent explosions ensured that nothing was standing and reduced any likelihood of survivors. The horror on the bridge was a choking atmosphere. Amidst my grief, I couldn't help but feel responsible for this calamity. Our local garrison could have stopped them if there had been a few more ships at their disposal. Why are the humans not turning towards the colony? They're alive, and I think they still have some bombs. They should come at us any minute now. The predator ships stepped away, but they were unable to shrug off their pursuers. The Terrans branched off on individual courses. They knew we couldn't chase after all of them. Some of those vile creatures would escape. Wait. I shook my head in disbelief. They can't be leaving. The humans did exactly what they said. My head swiveled in the direction of the voice. It was the unruly comms analyst from earlier. They never intended to attack any civilians. They just annihilated a military base, and that's your reaction, I snarled. None of the evidence suggests that they wanted to. We forced their hand, the technician growled. I growled at the scene in the stars, considering the predator's departure. What more evidence did one need beyond looking at their faces? Their blood-stained history was just the icing on the cake confirming what our eyes already knew. The humans could be faking a retreat to lull us into a false sense of security. The bombers were still with close range of the asteroid, and it would take them a while to escape the system. Their strategy could be a double back after we assumed that they were leaving. That, or our considerable presence by the colony, dissuaded them from heeding their impulses. These creatures were more intelligent and slightly more self-aware than the Arxal. They may just have recognized that they were outmatched. That was a sufficient explanation, wasn't it? I forced myself to lower my heckles. What's your name, kid? Rumi. Rumi, I respect your drive to question everything, even common knowledge, but this isn't the right cause to fight for. If humans were a species of any merit, do you think that the Federation would have dug up some argument to spare them in decades of study? I don't know. Think about it. That goes to anyone else agreeing with the young man here. And yes, we did force their hand. We forced the humans to concede civilian targets because of an overwhelming false... How so? We're in the wrong place. We're in the right place. Our presence deterred the humans from attacking anything else. Everyone should be proud of themselves today. We saved 20,000 lives. Rumi slumped his shoulders. Uh, if you say so. I imagine our allies had grown as restless as my crew, seeing that the promise of the humans raiding the colony wasn't planning out. Some captains may have tempted to pursue the fleeing ships. Sensors indicated that they were gearing up their drives and that our meticulous formation was dissolving. Now was not the time for this. The predators were still in system, and we all needed was a few more minutes of patience to save the colony. I leaned over my microphone, Gojid vessels, hold your positions. Do not let the humans bait you into weakening our defense. I'm not just sitting here, dammit. A voice piercing through our encrypted military channel. We are going to attempt to search and rescue and render medical assistance to anyone alive. 
My eyes darted about the viewport, searching for any signs of movement. A gojin hospital craft had crept away from our ranks and commenced a blazing run towards the base. Its course placed it directly in path of the escaping human. Sensors read that the Terran ship had target-locked the vessel, and their weapons were charging. Turn back now, I pleaded to the comms. You won't be rescuing anyone if you're turned to slag. I'll escort you myself when the humans have gone. The first responders pressed forward in defiance and diverted their central power to shields. The fleeing predators hurled a plasma round, which deflected off the ship's nose. The medical transport seemed shaken by the contact, though it refused to turn back. The distance between them and those things were narrowing. This was lunacy. What were these Goja doctors thinking? I admired their commitment to saving lives, but they were setting up the exact scenario I feared. Abort! I shrieked into the communicator, broadcasting the message on all frequencies. Gojit medical vessel, turn back at once. The predators will destroy you. There was no reply from the Gojit first responders. They were unarmed, which meant that they stood no chance in combat. Worse, the Terran ship might have heard my plea and realized what an easy target they stumbled upon. I waited to see the doctors blasted to bits, feeling spitty swell in my chest. On the bright side, at least they would drill some of the sense into Rumi and whoever else was swayed by him. The expressions around the bridge were finally the ones I recognized from our face-offs with the Arxor. For some inexplicable reason, the human ships hesitated. Something suggested that their weapons were powering down and they were altering their course to avoid a collision. I was certain my eyes deceived me as the primates allowed the medical ship to pass their precision. What about that, Captain? What could that possibly gain? Rumi hissed. I chewed my claws, rattled to the core, allowing the vessel to survive that aimed to resuscitate the enemy combatants was in direct opposition to the Predator's goals. Why would those abominations exhibit mercy? That was the exact brand of illogical softness that we were mocked for by the Arxor. But accepting an explanation that mandated emotion was out of the question. There had to be an ulterior motive at play. There just had to be. Like I told the crew, the Federation condemned humanity by unanimous vote. They wouldn't make that decision lightly. Perhaps I wasn't looking at the big picture. The humans need the Venlel for now. They can't afford to alienate their only ally. When they are so behind technologically, I soothe myself, Tarva must have sent someone to supervise, and so they managed to show restraint. They are biding their time. Alarms flashed through Rumi's body language as he saw me struggling to formulate a response. The doctor rolled his eyes in disgust and turned to address all. They wanted to preserve ambition when they realized the ship wasn't a threat. Zahn answered for me. Humans are pragmatic enough to override their sadism when it comes to their own survival. Quite possible. I managed to keep my voice steady. The predators were doing an excellent job of messing with my head, if nothing else. Whatever game the humans are playing at, we know their true colors. We always have. We always will. End of chapter. Chapter 18. Memory Transcription Subject. Governor Tava of the Vendel Republic. Date. Standardized human time, September 5th, 2136. These central Terran dignitaries were present in the meeting hall, alongside the top-ranking Vendel staff. I settled down in the chair between Noah and Cam, which was turning into a typical seating arrangement. There was satisfaction in finding the Predator's presence so, uh, normal and routine. The importance of this conference would not be understated, 
The UN was determined which parties were to take action against in the Federation, and whether diplomatic avenues could prove a stable alternative to violence. There was no reversing the war against the Gojits. The damage done to their repute by Soblin was catastrophic. But perhaps not everyone had to get suckered into a crap show. That was why I hoped Russell would show that the meeting. The Federation officer hadn't left his room since his arrival, and had barely picked at his meals we delivered by the door. My attempts to speak with him were met with half-hearted go-away. It was all I could do to inform him of the planned start time, and remind him once more on my way to the assembly hall. In case the Kolshian did accept our invitation, we wanted to make him as comfortable as possible. The humans were wearing opaque visors to conceal their eyes, and surgical masks to obscure the menacing snarls. The UN personnel were quite accommodating. It would likely be standard procedure for any future first contacts. My eyes flicked over to Noah. Without the predatory features to buff up the humans, they looked squishy and weak. Those hands were more attuned to picking berries or climbing trees than combat, which was probably close to the truth. They lacked any form of camouflage for stealth and weren't that quick. Even their smell and hearing were subpar. What kind of predators are they? They always mention tools when asked, then change the subject, I thought. Perhaps they're ashamed of their natural weakness. I look ridiculous in this tarver. I prefer a full helmet rather than the cyborg doctor cosplay. Noah hissed. I sighed for a laugh. I understand half of what you said, but this allows you to drink water, and I hope it's less stuffy. You must have been miserable in that first TV appearance. Oh, I think I was just trying to remember to breathe. You have no idea how in awe we were. The ambassador leaned back in his chair and waved a hand for emphasis. I realized how important that moment was. Sometimes I still think to myself that I dreamt it all. It is like a fever dream, isn't it? It's all so strange. Oh, um, speaking of strange, here's something I've been meaning to ask you. Go on. We've noticed some unusual behavior from your human volunteers. Mildly concerning. Oh, dear God. What have we done? Uh, just all sorts of bizarre reports, which I'm increasingly baffled by. Multiple cases of humans speaking in high-pitched voices when asking Vendel to do things, or even saying hello. Oh, yeah, uh, I can see that. Giving us toys to make ear-piercing squeaks when touched. Sometimes throwing objects and begging us to retrieve them. I don't understand the purpose. Um, <laughs> well, that would be demeaning. Uh, sorry about that. And you're obsessed with our fur, always trying to touch it and talking about how soft it is. Some people suggested that you wanted to harvest it. Uh, Noah recoiled, and I figured his eyes were wide with horror. Uh, nothing like that. We just, uh, like cute animals. Why, it sparks our nurturing instinct, releases dopamine, which makes us happy. But you don't do any of that. You're a planetary leader, and I'm a terrifying beast to you. It'd be wholly inappropriate and unprofessional. Though I do confess, as for the last one, I thought has crossed my mind. You don't scare me anymore, Noah. But if you must, I would prefer you try any fur petting on Cam than me. I'd get a laugh seeing him bite your head off. Deal. Cam glared at us, clearly eavesdropping in our conversation. Don't even think about it, Tava. It's going to be your fault if Noah loses a finger or two. Good thing I have ten of them. Noah stretched his hand out in a military advisor's direction and the Vendel jumped up from his table. The human brought his arm back to his chest with a laugh. I'm kidding, Cab. I'd only do that if you asked me to. 
Secretary General Meyer broke off the conversation with his generals. Well, um, I see we're all wonderful at sitting still, aren't we, Ambassador Williams? Uh, we were just playing around? Nora replied. I see that. A lot of mature adults here. The UN leader heaved an exasperated sigh. I was no expert in human body language, but his posture screamed exhaustion. Right. This meeting was supposed to start ten minutes ago. No sign of Russell. Let's get started. I pulled up the briefing material on my holopad and refreshed my memory one last time. The human generals had forwarded a proposition for a ground invasion on Gojit homeworld, had given it a cursory review. In advance of the gathering, they discussed with my advisors what our role should be. It was ironic, since I knew what the plans were derived from. They were offshoots of the original tactics we drew up together to invade the Arxor, brandishing those ideas against the former allies which were designed to raid sentient farm worlds felt dirty. There were some modifications stressing the preservation of civilians where possible. I was surprised to see the humans adhering to their warfare rules under the circumstances. Their stated objective was to capture government leaders and to force the Gojit Union's capitulation. I couldn't disagree that the only way to bring them to the negotiating table was at gunpoint. They'd amassed an annihilation force from the discovery of a single human. I, uh... Take it that we're all familiar with the operation. It's an ambitious task, I know, General Zhao stated. General Jones tucked on a mask, but ground fighting and atmospheric warfare, that's our territory. I'm confident in our chances. The problem is with ships to use for the battle above, to transport a proper amount of soldiers, Zhao finished. Candidly, our ships don't cut it in any way. You will use Venlil's ships for whatever you need for now, and that's final. We'll give you our blueprints, too, so that you can build yourself a proper armada. I glanced at Noah for support and was relieved to see an encouraging nod. With our knowledge in hand, I know that you can make improvements to our designs. It will help both of us in the long run. I don't wish to keep anything from you anymore. That's very generous of you, Governor. Thank you, I said. We will repay. The door creaked open, which about made me jump out of my fur. The violet-skinned Colchian slunk into the room and surveyed the occupants with hesitancy. I was grateful the humans had kept their face coverings on, even with the precautions. The Federation officer was trembling. My ears perked up. Rissell, we didn't think that you were coming. Please, sit down. It was promising that he showed up, since he was the best hope for peace. Then again, he was a wild card. Rissell could outright insult the humans and inflame the situation. I don't think the UN representative or, for that matter, any Venlil present, could take kindly to the defense of Sovlin's actions either. I w w wasn't sure that I would come myself, Kolshian sighed. But we must all live with the choices we have made. Here I am. It has come to my attention that you find it hard to look at us. Secretary General Mayer gestured to his facial attire. We've elected to wear these visors so that you don't feel that you we are staring at you. Does that help? Rissell waved his tail. Yes, sir. Thank you. No, thank you. You have the sincere gratitude of our planet for your heroism and compassion. Knowing your feelings towards predators, I suspect you will decline my offer. But we are more than willing to grant you an asylum on Earth, should you desire. I appreciate the offer. You diverge from the Oxor in many ways. By that I could have seen. But I don't think I could ever live among you. We understand. If you truly cannot abide by our looks, Amina... It's hurtful, but not unexpected. Maya's words were about sting of the galaxy's cold shoulder treatment rang true. 
My mind flickered back to how wounded Noah looked when he learned that the Vendel planned to kill humanity. The crestfallen look on his face when I described my initial impression of him to Rissel. Maybe I shouldn't have been quite so honest, even if it soothed the first officer. The human played it off as a joke, but I suspect that he did need some kind words on occasion. It must be awful to be shunned as a monster constantly, to feel rejected and unwanted, to have every action under a microscope. Noah had been dealing with Venlil gawking or panicking at the sight of him for months. Did he understand that I cared for him, despite my instincts? I patted Noah on the hand absentmindedly, and he squeezed my paw in return. Brissel drew a deep breath. All right, what else do you want from me? Coexistence is all we ask for, from anyone, Maya replied. I don't know how to achieve that from a federation that seeks to genocide humanity. I like your opinion, because my own outlook is quite bleak. Some in the federation may be open to hearing your case. But if they can get past the, uh, you know, I, I've had a lot of time to think, and I believe human history may have been studied through a narrow lens. It's so ingrained that predators are inherently evil. We might have overlooked the forest for the trees. And where does that leave us? I don't think the Gojids are the only ones plotting an attack in the Federation. If you have any ideas for a peaceful resolution, I'm all ears, but we intend to defend Earth to the last. The Colchian's demeanor stiffened in an instant and suddenly an authoritative officer was present. You can start by releasing the hostages now. Peaceful species don't hold the diplomats and civilians against their will. That was my doing, Rissel, I chimed in. After what happened with Marcel, can you see why I thought it necessary? But I agree with him, Tava. It reflects poorly on humanity, because regardless of the truth, everyone will fault us in that matter. The Federation must be worried for their citizens' condition. Maya tapped his fingers on the table, deep in thought. If it will help our case for our own people to validate what has been said by the Benlil, we should allow anyone to leave that wishes to. News of our existence is out, Noah added. The damage is already done. There is no reason to keep them here. I flicked my ears. Very well. I'll reopen the borders tonight, at least for outbound ships. Rassel's eyes widened in surprise. It was obvious the officer had been expecting resistance, rather than for the predators to side with him. Good, that's settled. Any other ideas, Rissell? Maya asked. Um, the Federation is holding a summit a few days from now. They're going to discuss what to do regarding humanity. You could send a representative. Perhaps they would let you say a few words in your defense. What's to stop the Federation from covering up anything we say, any information we give them, or anything that contradicts their narrative? It sounds like your leadership has already made up their minds. The Federation aren't out to dupe their own citizens. They just can't have another Arxor. Everything will be broadcast, so even if the leadership won't budge, you could sway the public opinion. But you hardly sound convinced that the Federation will let a human speak at all, Russell. What's to stop them from slapping a collar on our representative, and bashing their face in too, or shooting them on sight? Honestly, nothing. I, I can't predict how they react. I would have thought that we were better than that at one time, but I, I, I don't anymore. I couldn't send anyone to that fate. It would be akin to murder. I swished my tail in agreement after watching the human pilot, brutalized at the hands of the Federation crew. The risks were fresh in everyone's memory. It was a senseless sacrifice. That could be for nothing. The Federation would be reluctant to let a predator voice its thoughts. 
Rizal knew better than anyone how deep-seated their hatred ran. I'll go, Noah said. My pupil snapped towards him. Absolutely not. I don't want to see you killed or maimed as a lab rat. I'm not afraid of dying. If there is a single species like the Venlil out there, I find it a worthy cause. The ambassador gave me a reassuring pat on my shoulder, then turned his head towards Mayer. All I ask is for the cyanide capsule. I don't know if I could bear torture. I want a way out, if it comes to that. The secretary general hesitated. Are you sure? I couldn't tell you, not with a straight face, that I believe you'll come home. Quite sure. And I'd like to leave as soon as possible. There's no time to waste. Horror choked my blood. The last person I wanted to fall into Federation custody was sweet, forgiving Noah. He was a godsend in ambassadorial role, always with a perfect read of my emotions and willing to answer every awkward question. I'd come to think of him as one of my own advisors. Perhaps I was a bit too reliant on him to defuse tense situations. I'll go with you then, I hissed. I'll try to protect you, though I don't think that I can do much. My standing with the Federation is diminished. Tava! No. What if they hurt you? They threw a Venlil in a cage with a starving predator, remember? They won't do that to me. I'm a planetary leader, and the galaxy will be watching. I'm not worried for my safety. Rissell lowered his eyes. Please, allow me to accompany you as well. I wish to turn myself in for high treason. We don't want you punished for helping us, Mayor said. I know, but my testimony may be helpful in balancing what Sovereign has told them. And, uh, I wish to be home, whatever happens. My heart lies with the Federation. If that is really what you want, you are not a prisoner. Disappointment seeped into the UN leader's tone. I do wish you would reconsider, though. I won't. Very well. Good luck to all of you, then. Noah stood up from his chair and extended his hand to the Secretary General. Maya tugged at it in that quirky, grappling ritual humans did. It felt like a final goodbye, though I hoped that it wasn't the case. I wondered what the gentle ambassador could say that would dissuade the Federation. He needed to challenge hundreds of years of research and flip assumptions without getting killed. It was a tall task, even for the man who epitomized the best of humanity. End of chapter. Chapter 19. Memory transcription subject Governor Tarpa of the Venlo Republic. Date standardized human time September 10th, 2136. Two patrol ships rushed to intercept our transport the second we crossed the Zerulian border. There was none of the warmth in their greeting that I craved. I hoped that dodging Goju territory would lower the temperature of any interactions, but word traveled quickly. Our neighbors possessed a keen awareness that the Venlil had thrown in our lot with predators. We were guilty by association now. I assured the Zerillians of my diplomatic intent, and decided not to mention the human's presence until we reached our destination. After several back-and-forth conversations, the guards received permission to escort us to the summit. I suspect they wouldn't have allowed it if they knew a human and a traitor were on the other two passengers. The Federation chaperones were diligent, tailing us through subspace for the duration of the day's long trip. I still don't know how I'm going to convince them to let a predator play politics. Maybe I should just, uh, wing it? Our transport was midway through the descent now, plunging through the host planet's atmosphere. It was apparent what Russell meant by returning home. The Kolshun homeworld, Arthur, a name that translates to garden, was hosting the convention in its capital. 
It would require great care not to incite a stampede with the crowd I anticipated. Millions of residents dwelled amongst the artistic buildings and botanical wonders. The renowned School of Flora meant Arthur had a large student population. There would be ample spectators at the governing hall, since such sessions were open to the public. If a predator was reported on the loose, the premises might be vacated or locked down. I wondered if the nearest civilians would be rushed to bunkers, the way I had done when the humans approached my planet. It seemed silly, in retrospect, sending out a planetary distress signal of a two-person vessel. Someday, I was going to tell Noah that I intended to surrender Vendel Prime to him. The Tyran ambassador would have a hearty laugh at my expense. This is Governor Tava. I reiterate my request to speak to the presiding chieftain immediately. It is urgent, I transmitted for the fourth time. My designated strategy was to hail the Federation over the media channels so that if anything went wrong, the public could hold them accountable. Brissell was sandwiched beside me in order to appear on our video feed. The Colshin officer couldn't stop yawning. His orange eyes were blearing from sleep deprivation. I was amazed he didn't nod off from exhaustion, regardless of his instincts. Noah was preoccupied editing the first contact materials the UN had thrown together. The Predator seemed uncharacteristically nervous. I knew he wanted to paint a rosy picture of humanity and to include anything that might help their cause. Wasn't he displaying that closed-body language he explained to me long ago? Maybe I was projecting my feelings onto him, since I was terrified about what would happen to him next. He's signing on now. Please be patient, came the monotone reply. Your favor here is strained as things are, Governor. I was aware of the fact that our ship was target-locked. That wasn't exactly standard procedure for an approaching diplomat. A large security force was present to ward off any Oxlore attacks, in case they got a whiff of the convention's location. The Federation couldn't afford to have every galactic leader killed in a decapitation strike. We're not part of the Federation anymore, are we? I realized, with a pang of sorrow. The Vendel are public enemy number one. I'm probably going to be offering our withdrawal today, if they don't kick us out first. The Terran ambassador clapped his hands together, in what I believe was satisfaction, and jolted me out of my thoughts. Rissal whined at the unexpected movement, and the human dipped his head in an apology. All set, Tava, Noah whispered. Send it over. I tapped a button on my holopad, uploading the data cache to the local internet. The compilation documented everything that had transpired since first contact. It also went over humanity's surprising ability to form attachments and the cultural nuances the Federation overlooked in past research. That was the narrative I wanted to circulate. I shared the file wherever I thought it could get traction, social media, discussion boards and private messages to reporters. With any luck, a few figures in the media would pick up on and ignite the public discourse. Even if they were laughing at the notion, it would introduce viewers to the idea of a friendly predator. Mew! A Gaussian with indigo coloration appeared on screen, and I recognized him as Senior Chief Nikonis. A skull marred his features as he spotted the officer beside me. We heard what you did, Rissell, shooting your own captain and releasing a predator. There were extending circumstances. Rissell is remanding himself to your custody, I said. Nikonis squinted at the video feed. Y you look terrible. The guilt must be eating you alive. A treasonous officer poured at his eyes. No. I just can't sleep a wink trapped with this creature. It's not his fault. He's covered his eyes for the entire ride. He's tried staying out of sight, but knowing that he's present, creature, 
What is Rissal blabbering about, Tava? The Kalshin leader growled. Don't freak out, okay, please? I turned the camera towards the masked predator, who flailed his hands up in front of him. There is Noah, the third and final passenger on our ship. He wants to speak to all of you. Chief Nikonis's eyes bulged. Is that, yes, a human? Why would you bring a predator here? Are you trying to set it loose on us? All we want is to talk. You're about to attack his planet. Shouldn't you hear from his supposedly evil species first? Before you make a permanent decision, doesn't he have the right to defend himself? Absolutely not. If you weren't on that vessel, Governor, I'd order it shut down. There was no hesitation from the Kolshian host, which wasn't a promising sign. Would Nikonis even allow our ship to land at all? What would deter them from gunning Noah down? The second he set foot on station. You prevented us entry before you knew the human's presence, I pleaded. Do the Venlil have a right to address the galaxy? The chief flared his nostrils. You have a right to speak and to state your version of events on record. You're still a member of the Federation, at least for now. Well, I wish for Noah to speak in my stead and to be treated with the same rights as a Venlil citizen. Look in my eyes. I consider him one of my own. You have snapped, Tarba. There's millions of people down here. Who don't want that thing to set foot in our capital? Some of us still value our lives. It's one predator versus all of you. You have him well outnumbered. I can't let a dangerous beast into the governing chamber. What's to stop it from eating the nearest leader on television? To stand and gloat about the taste of his children's blood. He won't. But what if he does? Then you'll have documentation of what humanity was like. When the Federation is asked by future generations why we made this decision, Rissal interjected. But I'm telling you, these predators are more civilized than they look. Please, Nikonis, let Noah say what he's come here to say. You don't want people to think you have something to hide, do you? What harm could a few words do? Ugh. It can speak for five minutes and not a second longer. If it so much as stares at anyone the wrong way or stumbles in its footing, it will be shot. The Kalshun chief waved a tentacle assertively. Nor will I pledge for its safety after the time frame, even if it complies. Understand? Five minutes was hardly enough to break the ice, let alone cover everything in humanity's arsenal. It was a farce of a trial to appease the Venlil, after which the Federation could rush to a summary judgment. Noah's body language betrayed little emotion, but he gave me a nod to signal his acceptance of the terms. I flicked my ears with false politeness. May accept, and if you are interested in objectivity, pass through the data dump. That goes to anyone listening. I've uploaded it to social media under my credentials, explaining what we've learned since first contact. You're pushing your luck, Tarva. I have a lot of preparations to make. Do not disembark until my next transmission. The Kolshian president cut off the call, uninterested in waiting for my acknowledgement. That could have gone better. But it also could have gone much worse. Rissal collapsed into the nearest seat while I turned back to the pilot's console. We were moments away from arrival and had just cleared the spaceport overhang. The ship touched down under my supervision, slipping its tendrils into the docking port. A thud hummed through the walls, and the engine commenced its cooldown process. I breathed a sigh of relief. The Kalshans allowed us to complete our landing sequence, which is half of the challenge. The terminal was adjoined to the governance hall, similar to the reception lawn that we had on Venlil Prime. I was pleased to see media personnel and cameras, all trying to catch a glimpse of the Predator diplomat. Non-essentials hadn't been evacuated. Not yet, anyway. My play 
to talk where everyone could hear us, had paid off. The more eyes on this whole debacle, the better. Noah peeked through the window, knowing him. The ambassador was itching to survey the alien scenery. A red dot appeared on his forehead, and I screamed at him to get down. The predator dropped to the floor with the lightning-quick reflexes. The human removed his mask for a moment, clearly short of breath. Those binocular eyes must be lost in a thousand-yard stare beneath that visor. He laid on the floor in silence for several minutes. I think he was worried if he stood up. The Federation was going to kill him. A trigger-happy sniper could take him out in a heartbeat. Marcel studied the predator as he held the head in his hands. What are you thinking, human? The disgraced officer asked. Noah snorted. I'm wondering how the Oxor were ever uplifted. When it's obvious your hatred for predators is so strong, things would have been different for humanity if you were the first ones found. We uplifted dozens of species before them, without issue, Rissal explained. We wanted to accept all sentience. But all the research you did suggested the Oxor were different. Did spray species fight walls, Rissal? Not in the way you do. Our walls were over limited resources, for survival, when there wasn't enough to go around. It wasn't about power, ideology, or bloodshed. That's why we thought that we could fix the greys. I pinned my ears against my head. We were naive and stupid, but I missed the species we were then. Maybe we deserved what happened to us, because of our weakness. Of course not. I just don't understand how they took you all on at once. Noah pursed his lips and dragged himself back to his sitting position. Even with your help, there is no way that we could steamroll the entire galaxy. Rissell stifled a yawn. We had nothing to defend ourselves with then, and the only survivors from that sector of space are the species that ran. We didn't understand what was happening. But why didn't you have any defenses? The predator asked. You never even considered the possibility of being attacked. No preparation or contingency. You don't understand, because you've never known peace. Why would you have planetary defenses when all sapiens get along, as a rule? Why would you have warships if you never intended to use them? Humans had a, uh, very different experience in your world. I swiveled my ears down and allowed their conversation to float into the background. The last thing I wanted at a time like this was to discuss the topic as grim as war, especially when I'm sure Noah had stories that could traumatize me. There was no harm in closing my eyes, just for a few seconds. The world fizzled away and my mind dissolved into a dark ocean of slumber. Tava, wake up. Noah's visor was inches away from my face. I almost headbutted him when I jerked upright. The Colossians told us we can leave the ship. It's time. It appeared that Rissell had already fled from the craft, which didn't surprise me. If I was a betting woman, I'd wager that he was thrilled to be in the fresh air, back on his own turf, even though it spelled catastrophe for him. The Colossian officer didn't want to be confined with a human any longer than necessary. I wonder what will happen to Rissell. He's going to have several counts of treason stacked against him. I mused. The Kalshians could hang him ten times over. If they wanted to. The human hoisted me to my paws and half carried me over to the exit hatch. I leaned on him even after I regained my bearings, reluctant to let go. There was no telling what the Federation would do when they disembarked the ship. We knew for a fact that there was gunmen on standby. We climbed down the octagonal terminal together and I struggled to read my surroundings. Dazzling lights were pointed straight at us, likely intended to blind the Predator. Noah winced and brought his hand towards his eyes to soften the blow. The human must be grateful to have the tinted visor to shield his vision. I turned my head to the side so that the glare wasn't head-on. 
Colchian soldiers were wrapping a trembling Rassel in chains and stuffing a gag in his mouth. One of the guards whipped him on the chin with the nightstick. They seemed to feel more vitriol towards him than the human. Oops, the guard cheered. My bad. The officer whimpered but didn't fight back against his captors. A pang of concern stabbed in my chest as they dragged the violet-skinned Colchian away. Then again, I suppose I should be more worried for Noah's safety now. Rissal still had time to assemble a proper defense, whereas the Predator could be dead at a moment's notice. A Colchian female raised a megaphone. Human, take slow steps forward. Walk until we tell you to turn. The human crept forward in his shuffling steps. It was obvious he was unsure of his footing. My guess was his eyes were shut at all together. I curled my tail around Noah's wrist and steered him forwards. His pulse raced. I could detect the hammering harpy through my fluffy tail. The camera lenses zeroed in on me, no doubt stupefied, that I would incite contact with such a creature. The fact that Noah's eyes were hidden probably helped our hosts keep their claws off the trigger. The soldiers directed us down a series of hallways, and I tried to look as relaxed as possible. The onlookers would attribute any fear to my proximity to the human. Objects were everything at this point. I wondered how the leaders would react when we reached the governing chamber, the announcement of the human's arrival must have come as a shock. That wasn't what they imagined when they planned this visit. It was one thing to talk about a predator in the abstract, but another to see a waking nightmare in person. The Terran ambassador better have a damn good speech at the ready. Somehow, I didn't think the Federation gentry would welcome him with open arms. End of chapter. Chapter 20 Memory Transcription Subject, Governor Tava of the Vendel Republic. Date, Standardized Human Time, September 10th, 2136. The human ambassador strode up to the microphone and scanned the cavernous auditorium. Every guard on the premises was flocked a safe distance away from the predator, with rifles trained at his head. Barricades and barbed wire stretched in front of the podium. Hello, leaders and citizens of the Federation. My name is Noah, and I've come seeking peace on behalf of humanity. Silence reigned supreme over the chamber, and the human's words hung in the air like an echo. The seats in the front row were vacated entirely. Many of their occupants were sharing stations with species near the rear wall. Others were pacing by the exits, and a few were absent altogether. Remote viewing must have seemed the best option. I'm sure all of you have heard terrible things about my species. Perhaps some of them are even true. Predators ravaged your worlds and twisted your altruism and you fear that we bear such intentions. Noah turned his head towards me, and I flicked my ears in support. But your conclusions are a product of confirmation bias, selecting only evidence that confirms your pre-existing beliefs. Humanity is not the same as the Oxor. The reporters on the upper deck were filming every word. Commentators spoke in soundproof booths, offering live opinions on some of the most influential political shows in the galaxy. The public viewing balcony was almost empty, so most of the citizenry would be witness to the display secondhand. An anxious murmur rippled around showed this wasn't anyone was expecting. They were expecting the human to come here, brandishing mocking footage and lobbying threats. It was clear that they were concerned how close I was standing to Noah. A few tried to signal run to me with tail language. You come here wearing a mask and think that hides who you are. Jerulium, a Kretel ambassador, leapt out from his outrage. 
His speeches were puffed out behind him in a semicircle. You're a slaughtering lot of slavers. You round up and gash children. The nearest dignitaries glanced at the avian and signaled their agreement with tail waves and ear flicks. It seemed to embolden others to vocalize opinion. Buzz, where millions die are a regular thing on your planet. Doc, the fersal high elder joined in. Her thin ears drooped with horror. You use weapons to maximize suffering and destruction. You invade your neighboring and bomb cities, just like the Greys. Noah raised his hands placatingly. We have inflicted grave suffering upon ourselves, and I admit that we have self-destructive tendencies. But as the Vandal can attest, there is another side to humanity, the side of us that is protective and familial, and has always reached to the stars in earnest. We have traits of both predators and prey. Yeah, sure, like what? Mortality, breathing, Gerillium jeered. Let's start with the forward-facing eyes, which seem to be facial focal point of your disgust. The human was unfazed by the widespread contempt, keeping his voice level. They evolved for depth perception. Since primates are an arboreal class of mammals, they have nothing to do with hunting and... Just happens to help you with tracking and killing living creatures too, doesn't it? Funny! Mazik President Coppo interrupted. Well, which one of us looks tasty to your burial eyes? An unidentified voice asked. The cacophony of civil-minded leaders spoke up. Animosity and fear were two words that captured the collective mindset to a T. The shouts ranged from panicking to accusatory to blood-seeking. The Colchian guards stiffened as the meeting dissolved into chaos. No doubt, they expected discordance to elicit invited response from the Predator. You're here to terrorize us, to scope out your enemies. You kidnapped our civilians. Your first action as space-bearing species was to hold Indians against their will. Flesh-eating filth, you defile the chambers with your presence. Why would you assault the Gojids in cold blood? We should execute this beast. I'd like to see his head roll. My eyes widened in dismay, and Noah ducked his head. This was a beat-down televised to the galaxy. Not any genuine attempt at listening. It was only solidifying the viewers' prejudices. Hearing their leaders trounce any attempts for the predator to speak. I noticed a few dignitaries seemed interested in what the human was saying, though, which was a glimmer of hope. Silence! I said that we would let it speak. And I don't break my word. Can you not hold your tongues for a few minutes? Chief Nikonis roared. Noah took a deep breath to collect himself. Thank you. Unlike the Arxor, humans are omnivores. That means our diet is primarily plants. Plants? Vegetation. You hear me? We are capable of subsiding without meat, and some of us choose to do so. But you eat flesh! Gerillium called from the crowd, ignoring the chairman's glare. Yes, you personally! Uh, yes, no animal has to die, thanks to science. We grow our meat from cell samples in a lab, the predator added quickly. Does that not overrule the moral dilemma of killing another creature? There is no suffering caused. We've done our best within the confines of our nutritional needs. The representatives bore squeamish expressions. While the ethical argument was correct, the mental image that answer evoked was unsettling. They were probably visualizing an unmasked Noah stooped over a maggot-ridden corpse with blood dripping down his chin. How could they take this person talking seriously with that thought? Humans seemed to understand the reaction when he asked how they would feel if they knew someone chowed down on human legs. It wouldn't matter what they were ethically sourced. The idea of consuming animal parts was utterly reprehensible to most species. 
I respected the Terran's honesty, but that wasn't earning him any brownie points with the Federation. Even when I thought about Noah munching into some artificial animal carcass, it made me shudder. I was happy that he didn't do it in front of me, but I still preferred not to think about it. There was a crevice in my mind that wondered if humans would find Ven Lul tasty. Did that craving really make the lovable ambassador salivate? Nikonis retched into a wastebin under his station. Growing flesh in a vat, that's changed the subject, please. Gladly. I don't have time to go over everything on the data cache Tarver shared with you all in detail, as I hoped, the Predator stated. But we've included our art, music, relationships, philosophy, culture, architecture, and scientific achievements. You may find beauty in our creation and innovation. I finally found my voice. The experiments conducted by the Venlil, which proved humans have a wide range of softer emotions, have been uploaded as well. Your scientists are welcome to review those findings, and I promise, they are replicatable, if you wish to see for yourselves. Ultimately, this is about you, not us. Do you want to kill a race of thinking, feeling people, because they are predators, just because they have a violent history, and a few biological traits you curl your noses at? Is that the reason enough? Jerulium tossed his sunset-colored brick. Yes! If cruelty and violence are reason enough to genocide a species, we should kill all of you. Noah had synced his holopad to the auditorium projector and cast a video to it. You want to wipe out humanity without ever hearing us out, with no remorse. How would you respond in our position? What choice are you giving us? A handheld video of a young predator appeared on screen. I winced as recognition dawned on me, and I realized where Nova was taking this. Marcel was holding a light pink baby grey creature in one arm, feeding it milk with a bottle. The infant suckled eagerly, while the human supported its tiny front legs with gentle fingers. The leader's expressions softened at the cute animal, though they seemed worried about the predator dropping the bruise and gobbling it up. This is Marcel. He volunteered to care for animals in his spare time, before we learned about the Arxor. He wanted to go to veterinary school. He's never consumed meat in his life. Noah swiped a button. The footage switched to a newsreel, which captured Marcel as he was carted away for emergency care. The prolific wounds presented a stark deterioration from the pristine condition that he was in before. It was tough to tell this gaunt, ungroomed human was the same fellow. The red-haired primate looked like a wild predator plucked from the woods. Gasps echoed around the room, and I was relieved to see some genuine pity. Many species averted their eyes. I don't believe even the ones who wanted humans dead could stomach the execution of such violence. The entire galaxy is going to see this. Once the tapes reach them, Noah is forcing them to feel empathy for a predator. The film transitioned to a close-up of the bruises, the emaciated bones, and the neck bones beneath the asphyxiation collar. The haunting finale was a photo of Marcel's unconscious in the hospital bed, with a sobbing still neck at his side. This is what your captain did to a herbivore human. Sovlin starved him and laughed at his pain while Marcel begged him to stop. The Terran ambassador's voice climbed with indignation, and he shook his head in disgust. It was cruelty for cruelty's sake. How can you say you're any different than the Arxor if that's not predatory behavior? I don't know what is. Wait, he's not our captain. He answers to Piri. We didn't tell Sovlin to do that. We had no idea he went that far. Nikonis growled. 
I want justice. I want a trial by your laws or ours. Can you imagine if a human treated one of your people like that? What would you be saying about us? It doesn't matter what you want. You need to die either way, Jerulium muttered. The whole idea is that you don't have the chance to feck us over. You're not like us. But who decides who lives or who dies? Who is like us? What precedent are you setting? Perhaps there's an intelligent scavenger out there who wouldn't hurt a fly. The human paused for effect and raised a confident hand. A predator who only eats insects and small game. A territorial herbivore who might lash out at you. Maybe just a tree-dwelling creature that gets targeted for their eyes. Cooper flared his trunk. This is ridiculous. Your whole argument is hypothetical. Yes, it is hypothetical. That maybe, just maybe, we could be your friends. That's what I want you to consider. How do we know that you won't turn on us? The mazak returned, a hint of fear seeping into his voice. You don't. But you're going to lose this war without our help. And adding us into the mix basically guarantees it. Even if you believe that chance is slim, humanity is your only chance at victory. Work with us to fight the Arxal, as we have offered from the start. Or we can all die together. It is your choice. Thoughtful expressions cropped up across the chamber as the logic of the human's words sank in. Nova saved a compelling argument for last, appealing to reason where empathy could not prevail. Even if this whole thing was an elaborate ruse, it wouldn't affect the war's outcome to fall for it. Nikonis tapped his microphone. All right, that's enough, human. Of course. I'd just like to mention, no, I let you speak for your allotted time. Since these fools kept interrupting you, you can't say that I am being unfair. Right. Thank you. The human stepped back from the podium and seemed to be awaiting further instruction. Chief Nikonis's prior words about not vouching for his safety after the speech rang in my ears. Would the Koshian soldiers really shoot the diplomat in cold blood after everything they witnessed? Next to the chamber were slow steps and follow the trail of lights to the floor. Nikonis spoke. We prepared living arrangements. I expect you, at least the human, to stay there indefinitely. Now retrieve you two when the parties have reached a decision. I hovered at Noah's side as we walked out, and visible relief tugged at my features. The Terran ambassador spotted the emergency lights along the baseboards and trudged away with quiet reservation. My mind was reading as we scaled a narrow stairwell, but I was grateful the human was alive. The selecting living arrangements were full of diplomatic suite, complete with plumbing and kitchenette. Two trays of fruit mash with an oligalgi and grain garnish waited on the bedstand. Noah's species needed more protein in their diet. However, I wasn't going to explain that when the Colchians were serving him a gourmet meal, the same as everyone else. They could have starved him and tossed him in a dingy cell. The human flung off his visor. After wearing it for days, the rough metal had left an indentation around his eyes. A deep sadness danced in his chocolate irises, and months of weariness bubbled to the surface. I'm trying so hard, Tava. This... Was my dream, Noah muttered. I placed a paw on his shoulder. You were amazing. The predator sighed. I didn't feel like that. It felt like nothing I said mattered. You're wrong. A new voice chimed in. As with most things in life, the hate-infused rhetoric stems from vocal minority. Idiots speak the loudest. Reasonable people tend to be the quiet ones. The human snared snapped up, and his eyes locked on the Zerillion at the door. The Zerillians were a neighboring species to us and the Gojids, and their quadrupedal anatomy, shaggy brown fur and cub-like ears, they looked smaller than they were. 
I imagine the visitor triggered Noah's cute response, which made him all the more aware of his predatory visage. The Terran Brassida practically fell over himself to scoop up his visor off the floor. He pressed a hand to his face in the interim, peeking between his fingers in a comical fashion. Noah fumbled with his headgear, panicking. Oh, I apologize. I, I wasn't expecting company so soon. Don't be ridiculous. You don't have to apologize for your appearance. Leave the visor off, friend. The male Zerillion averted his eyes briefly before continuing. I am Chalzen, behavioral scientist with the Galactic Institute of Medicine. May I come in? Yeah, go ahead. Please do, Noah said. I've been speaking in our Prime Minister's ear before you ever went on stage. He's my brother, the scientist explained. Those Vendel experiments are irrefutable. You sympathize with our plight, and you take no joy in suffering. With that new evidence in mind, we're willing to change your position on humanity. You are? I'm thrilled to hear that someone can grasp the truth. At long last, the Zerillian government expresses our desire to begin anew. And I only hope that it doesn't come too late. Would you like to open diplomatic relations? Noah's eyes crinkled around the edges, which indicated that a smile was hidden beneath his mask. The Terran ambassador felt his mission was worthwhile. If he swayed a single species, that wondrous enthusiasm returned to his predatory gaze, as bright as the day we first met. Yes, we would like that very much. More than you know. Humanity's door is always open. End of chapter. I would quickly like to thank the Tier 5 members, Marky, Cam Maxwell, Casper Arnolds, Oakfield, Lord Azrakul, and it's difficult to pronounce. Thank you very much.